welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point. Because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl and the Gov, the podcast. We're back. Happy Wednesday. Samantha, how are you doing? Been better. Been better. Um, Yeah. I I would just say, you know, if we're we're thinking about, you know, life on Earth right now, I'd give it a negative 10 million. And life on Earth right now, the Yelp review is is low. Can you imagine the aliens are like looking at us like, you know, we're good. We're going to literally like have a great time on Earth. We're going to stay up here and you know have a great time all killing each other great like literally that is the the viewpoint and vantage point they must have but i do want to say preface for everyone listening obviously there is a lot of fucked up shit going on on this planet right now we have shared some resources in the last GovHub newsletter to follow and reporters people that are on the ground reporting on what's happening doing interviews the whole nine yards, they are better equipped than us to be reporting on things. We just want to also say, please be so cautious of the misinformation and disinformation that's out there. It Mm -hmm. is terrifying. Seeing so many things spiral out of control that are not true from every end and spectrum or whatever over the last few days or even I guess we're going into weeks further than days at this point. So please be very cautious. Use critical thinking look at the news sources, and again, think critically, for lack of a better term, at what you're seeing, what you're viewing. It just is. It is what it is. So that is something to really consider. If there is an episode that I could recommend of ours, it is our episode on deciphering misinformation. It is from last fall. You will find it. It is with a really amazing person on Google who talks all about like some of their resources on misinformation, disinformation, and If you go back through our library, we definitely have some other ones talking about media literacy as well. So please take the time, do that. Even just looking, making that your Google search, making that a part of like your day of figuring out what are some of the best methods and ways to go about looking at reading, interpreting, and thinking about media that you're seeing. That is just so freaking critically important. I can't say it enough. So that is that. What we are going to do, because we do focus mostly on the kookiness, the craziness, and the banananess of Congress at Girl we have to talk yes. about the speaker race. And got to get your thoughts. Got to get your thoughts. Such a saga. Not too many thoughts that are like different, even from my thoughts yeah. of when like McCarthy was, you know, doing his whole campaign to be speaker. We have Jim Jordan, who's now vying for the speakership and already lost one round of votes and has, what did I say, 16 Republicans to flip in order for him to become the speaker, which it's just giving McCarthy 2.0. It's giving, yeah, it's giving historic and it's failure giving to launch, failure to launch, failure to launch. This party sucks. They don't know how to govern and it's embarrassing. It's beyond. It's so Weird. There was this tweet, and it's from a Republican congressman. Can't remember who, 
Politico featured it. I put it in GovHub and he was basically made like a joke of like whoever loses a bet like gets to be speaker, like how shitty it like a job or like being at that like end of it is. And it was just like so funny and so relatable. I was like, yeah, okay, like you're you're kind of a part of the problem. But also I'm glad you have some sort of like self-awareness of like what a fucking shit show this is. Uh, I just it's just I can't. I can't. So not it. And I don't know what's going to happen. I, again, have a feeling given the fact that this is just like, it's the same situation that McCarthy went through. Jim Jordan, I think, is going to also have a hard time getting the votes that he needs and multiple rounds of voting and And delays and good reason. Like the guy is like a Jan Sixther, first Mm -hmm. of all. Second of all, just ignored sexual assault allegations and abuse allegations like, wants a national abortion ban. Like, the guy's not good for so many facets of the Republican Party, especially anyone that's in a purple district going into this next election cycle. Totally. And, but yeah, and like, the thing is, is like each person that they put up, you know, I'm just, they are, they're all terrible. And I just don't expect them to pick someone who is more maybe moderate or more just fucking normal in the head. So, I just the bar is low for me as far as like who actually runs. And then the bar is also very low for me for them to actually get confirmed. So it's just madness. It's truly madness. I I can't. I went to coffee with our friend Bev, who's a TikTok mutual of ours, turned friend, which is so fun. And she used to work on the Hill and was like sort of talking about like all the dynamics. We were talking about like, who do you think's like going to win it? Like, what is that going to look like and she's like i don't know and i was like i don't know we like literally were like we couldn't like come up with like a consensus you know what i mean like there was there seems like no clear path and i think that's what's like so puzzling about like some of the political moves that we've seen the last few years or even like especially since like the midterms with Mm -hmm. the republicans in charge of the house like there's no clear fucking path like no and there's no then you know our entire government is derailed from actually being able to do anything and govern for its people yeah so yeah well it's just one let this not be forgotten yeah agreed with that and even too i was when i was pulling action items for GovHub, i was looking at one and i featured it and i was talking about the farm bill and making sure that there's conservation funding in it and i didn't realize until i was like you know catching up on it that the farm sorry, farm bill funding from like the last five years, it expired on October 1st. So like them not getting to that means like the funding that gets reauthorized and debated and reauthorized and whatever every five years is kaput right now. Amongst a gazillion other problems. But yeah, that is just something. To note. Yeah. This point. (laughs) Something to note. Add to the files. Yeah, it's just, it's bad. But here we are. We will see what happens. And, you know, I will be across the world as this plays out, which leads us to our little housekeeping moment, which is that there will be no episode next week. Your girl's going to Bali. So fine. I'm not jealous or anything. I won't be living vicariously through you or, or anything at all. No, literally cannot wait to hear all about it. I really hope that you bring back some 
cute little animals. Yeah. There's, I saw uh, a friend of mine just went maybe like last month and she was posting all the stuff and part of it was these monkeys, but they're like mean. They like attacked her her boyfriend's like leg and like I think they bit him which is really scary I'm like I don't know if I want to be around those because they're like they're almost like squirrels out there you know like they just like they want all your food like they're just kind of like they're like they're kind of menaces and if anyone if any of them try me I'm I'm probably not gonna do anything I know they're gonna be too cute this is oh they can bite me and I'll still probably be like oh thank you for the bite you're like yeah I'm like oh kiss it's like vampire style. Like, it's fine. Oh, my yeah. God. So. No, that is, like, really interesting to, like, think about, though. I can't remember if I was telling you this or someone else this, but I was watching on Netflix the, like, national parks, like, global national parks documentary series that Obama narrates. And it is so good. It's like, so good. I'm going to watch it's it again. So like, it was, like, it was also <laughs> just, like, Obviously, there's serious discussion about like climate loss and that whole can of not can of worms. You know what I'm trying to say. But like, it's still just like the videography is stunning. Like Obama's commentary is just like he's like his voice is just so calm. He so is because I was really thinking about it. I was like, okay, obviously, this is, you know, Obama's in his next phase of career. And therefore, like as a prior you know president like you have all these different like opportunities and you can kind of like the world is your oyster in a lot of ways and so like obviously doing some of this i guess what would you call it like voice acting or voiceoverness i don't know whatever you call it is like a part of that but i was like thinking i was like wow like if he never even like became president went to politics or whatever this would have been his fucking calling like i was like can i get white noise by obama (laughs) I know, you know, he should be one of those people on that Calm app. You know how they have like some mm-hmm. celebrities do the meditations or whatever. I would, no, I would subscribe. While we're on the topic, also, if you're not subscribed to Hot Mike, which is one of our other newsletters, because we're just newsletter girlies at this point, it's just it's the way the cookie crumbled, and we fucking love it. So, anyways, Hot Mike is our opinions on different things. You know, POVs on different political Michigases recommendations things we're watching things we're reading ridiculous political memes like coming from like sort of our perspective so if you're curious like what we're chatting about damning about which includes right now a video of really hot hockey guys that i sent maddie so that might be in this week's edition so i love really hot hockey guys no they were like so you're gonna die like i literally was like marriage immediately <laughs> marriage it's fine yeah 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 so nonetheless, make sure to subscribe. As always, all of the links for all our different newsletters and stuff are in the description of our episode, on the website, all that. But we do have an episode. We sure do. Samantha, do you want to introduce our guest who is going to be talking all about governors? We are talking about governors. We are talking about governors' races, specifically 2023, which are happening now. We just had a result of one of those races actually happened this week, which was bananas. And of course, talking about 2024 and beyond because there are no off years in governor's races like there really just aren't. So we're talking to Ophira, who's the external affairs director at the Democratic Governors Association, which we just called DGI. And then we realized that like, we are always saying that and no one knows what we're talking about if you're like, not like hard on nerding it out with us. So regardless, DGI 
is not a sorority, although maybe it could be because if we get all, oh my God, imagine it were like, you got all Democratic women governors like across like all of the states. And then it was just like the DGA sorority. I'm obsessed. The merch. Also, they have really Love cute that. merch. Just saying, just shouting that out. I do need to get some of that. Regardless, we're getting to these governor races, what's happening, what's next, all of that. So without further ado, here's Afira. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlinthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of pros custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer. 
so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. Afira is the Director of External Affairs at the DGI. So that's what we're rocking with. But to hand the mic over to you, what do you guys do? What's the focus? We are the singular organization that is focused on electing Democratic governors. So governor's races are bread and butter. And this year we have a couple that I think are exciting and I'm hoping to chat with you guys about. But our relationship to them doesn't end after the candidates when they're sworn in. We are supportive of our incumbent governors making sure we're able to connect all of them, provide good advice and strategic input to them. And then we are involved in incumbent protection. So when it's time for them to run again, DJ is there to make sure that they're continuing on and execute on their vision. So from the time we've got a general election candidate until they decide they no longer want to be a governor, DJ is here and a partner to all of our governors. I have a random question. Yeah. Since you say like to the time like that they don't want to be a governor anymore. Like, are there ever those conversations where there is a governor that say they've like, they've gone through their first term and they're able to, you know, run again. And they're like, "Mm, you know, this was fun, but not for me. (laughs) Like, what do those conversations look like? And do they sometimes actually turn around? Like, is there an ability to lobby them? Be like, no, but like, we need you. I think it's different. Like the rules are different in every state. So like Virginia comes yeah. to mind when we're talking about this, about how you would run for one for your term and then constitutionally you're barred from serving mm-hmm. a consecutive one, right? So like that's an obvious one where you say, well, my time is up. Maybe I'd want to consider, you know, running again should the time come. But I think about somebody like Governor Jay Inslee, who has, you know, served quite a long time, served the state of Washington very well. And I think, you know, has decided it's time to move on in a different direction and to pass the torch along to somebody else. And so Washington's on the map for us and an exciting place that we'll have have an election there. So I think it it varies. I don't know that we've ever had somebody say, not for me anymore, you know. (laughs) But, you know, I think sometimes it's the timing of just like the office or how things are constitutionally set up that that makes it that case. Or maybe you've been a really excellent public service like servant like him or, you know, North Carolina, I'm sure will come up for us too. Governor Roy Cooper has been an amazing governor in North Carolina, unfortunately, is term limited um, and has to move on. So, you know, I think it's mm-hmm. just so totally dependent on, on the state, which is what's so interesting about DGA. <clears throat> no one, no state is the same. Right. That's crazy. Well, how does DGA like do the work? Like, how does this, what does the support really look like? Yeah, I mean, I think right now it, it really varies depending on the place, but we're able to be a strategic partner, I think, to every different aspect of the campaign. So our communications teams work pretty closely together. We're able to offer strategic advice and support to them. We're able to offer advice on how to do digital content, you know, how you could approach getting prepared for a debate, any number of things. If there's some sort of gap that we can provide help on, DJ wants to be there and be a partner in the way that makes sense to to our candidates. So I think I think that's really the name of the game for us when it comes to to a governor's race. And again, looks different in every state depending on what the rules are. And some of that's getting like super in the weeds on what financial support we can provide, um, but want to be a really good partner to folks from the day that they're the general election candidate until and through election day. Totally. I mean, I feel like that's so needed on every level. Like we always talk about almost like with voters specifically how there's so many orgs that 
are doing great work in terms of getting voters registered. And then after they're Mm -hmm. registered, they like sort of drop the ball. Like then there's no one to handhold them to get to, you know, election day. And then after that first election day that maybe they did actually vote, then like what's happening in between, like who's handholding them and making sure that they show up again. And so it's always come to like our, you know, sort of purview of like, okay, like what about for also people getting elected? Like what happens? You won your race, then like who's helping you figure out like, where's the bathroom or like literally, (laughs) you know, like how do I, you know, hire a staff, you know, what does that look like? And so I'm curious too, of like when, you know, governors are elected that support in terms of organization and getting an administration off the ground, like what do you guys like help with there? Like, what does that look like? Well, I think what's so cool about DJ too, is all of the governors, once they're elected are their colleagues, right? Like they're, and their friends and they're developing these friendships and relationships across each other. And you might be able to like turn to somebody who was in your class, so to speak, like during the midterms, we elected a bunch of new governors. I think they're all kind of like sharing notes on what does it look like to do a transition? How's yours going? How's mine going? Like, what are you struggling with? What's gone well? And I think even now, you know, we have governors teams who are kind of the experts. They've been in office for a first term, a second term. You've got chiefs of staff who are, I think, just so generous and willing to share their perspective as somebody who's gone through it. I'm like, how do you put together a budget? Like, what does it look like to build a huge staff? What does it look like when you're thinking about heading into a reelection year? Like, how does that change? from the beginning when you were just trying to get your feet off the ground into when you're looking to get reelected. So I think that's kind of the cool part too, is we can kind of be this convener of, of all the governors, depending on what stage of, of office they're in. And they all just are cheering for each other when they're in cycle or not, and want to be helpful in that way to each other too. Love that. And that makes us always ask the question if there's a governor's group chat We've had <laughs> some secretaries of state on, some attorneys general, and we've heard there's some some good group chats across the country. You know, I don't know for sure, but you know, <laughs> they all chat all the time. I know that, and it's kind of fun to see them when they are they all are able to get together, like cracking jokes, hanging out. Like they're all clearly friends, and I think lean on each other for advice in the same way that like I would have a peer that I would call maybe about like what I'm doing. So it's it's right. kind of fun to see that, I think, yeah. and when we do have a chance to kind of get them together, to see them in a more casual setting, just kind of like talking like colleagues about like what's going on in their state or like what they're yeah. bragging about or cracking jokes with each other. You know, it's funny to see like Governor Shapiro and Governor Moore like needling, needling each other about like the eagles and the orioles and everything else you know it's just it's kind of funny to see so i don't know if they have a group chat but i do know they all have a good time and like good relationships amongst each other classic well i'm just saying if any of them are listening right now we're lobbying for it we love a group chat still love group (laughs) me if anyone's looking for recommendations but of course we have to talk about 2023 governor's races and 2024 Mm -hmm. but we just found out like what sort of what happened in Louisiana, which is as our friend Mandy Landry says, the bad Landry won the race, meaning that the seat is going to flip from a Dem to the GOP. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, like what the lay of the land was like for this race, like what were some of the expectations going into it and sort of what are like the, the takeaways? Yeah. I think, you know, we've been very lucky to have Governor John Bell Edwards as our governor in Louisiana for the last eight years. And I think 
always kind of knew it was going to be tough to replicate his success there. Certainly weren't taking our eyes off the ball. And DJ was very like proud to invest in, in Sean Wilson and his campaign and provide support to it. But kind of putting that coalition together of folks who elected Governor Edwards was, I think, something that we knew was going to be tough. And so we were realistic about our chances. And unfortunately, it didn't go the way that we wanted. But I think Hopefully, I don't think it has any impact on what we're able to do in Kentucky and Mississippi, which are the two governor's races we have left. And even in the past, I think it's gone one way in Louisiana. And Steve Bashir, who's the father of Andy Bashir, who's running for election in Kentucky, <clears throat> he was able to win, win the governor's race in Kentucky a couple of months after Bobby Jindal went outright that year as well. So I think we know it doesn't have any impact, not the result we, we hope for, but very, very proud of Sean Wilson and the race that he ran. Yeah. And we would love to kind of hear more too about these other ongoing races here in 2023, Kentucky and Mississippi. What is the lay of the land right now? Like, how are those looking? We're getting getting down to the wire, but would love kind of like a landscape breakdown. Yeah. Well, you know, incumbent protection for us is is the name of the game. So reelecting Andy Bashir for another four years in Kentucky has been, I think, our North Star of the cycle. And I think he's making a really great case for re-election. He's been a really strong, compassionate leader for the Commonwealth of Kentucky. He led the state through numerous crises. He's brought in record job numbers, done a really great job on economic development, bringing jobs to the Commonwealth. He's fought for teachers. He's kind of making the case for continuing on in a really good practical direction and fighting for progress for Kentucky families on the issues that matter most. Meanwhile, the Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, who's his opponent, is a Republican, Trump endorsed, running every day to make sure that he is showing why he would be the most extreme kind of right turn for the state. And I think, you know, there's a really clear contrast and choice being set up for Kentuckians about whether they want to continue with that progress, which I think that they will, or whether they want to kind of have this sharp, extreme turn with Daniel Cameron, who has not been a great leader in the position that he has held so far. So Kentucky, I think, good one. We're keeping our eye on the ball. There's no off here at the DGA. So we know that we're going to run really hard and we're investing and supporting Andy. And I think he'll get the job done um, in November. Mississippi, I think, is not a state a lot of people (laughs) probably would have thought we'd have a governor's race on the map for. But I think it really has some exciting potential to be an upset. Governor Tate Reeves, who's the Republican, is really corrupt. He's one of the most unpopular Republican governors in the country. And I think that's because he has had all of these crazy scandals, whether it's like welfare fraud. I think people, if you Google welfare fraud and Brett Favre, Tate Reeves is the (laughs) other name that you add to that equation. Um, And he's just done, he's been not a great governor for the people of Mississippi, refuses to expand Medicaid when there are hospitals closing in the state constantly and hospital CEOs are raising their hand and saying this would this would solve for this for no other reason than partisanship. He's refusing to do so. And Brandon Presley, I think, is running and making a really strong case for for why the state should turn in a democratic direction, wants to expand Medicaid on day one, has really been taking this like end corruption message all over the state, which I think is resonating. And he has had success already. He's elected to be a public utilities commissioner. He's delivered a lot of progress for folks in an area that's about the size of the congressional district in Mississippi. He's like doing the work, getting out there, reaching out to black voters and voters all over Mississippi. 
and making the case. And so I think it has the the potential to really be an upset and doesn't hurt that he's a second cousin to Elvis Presley, the other famous Presley from Mississippi. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it could be it could be really exciting. And so we're excited about the prospect for success, both in Kentucky and Mississippi, the cycle. And then yeah. 24 is a whole other map that we can get into also. But the thing about DGA is we have no off years. We, you know, get through the yeah. cycle and it doesn't end. 2024 turns right on for us right after that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, I will say with Kentucky and Andy, their team literally sends out more press releases on jobs than anybody I could ever even like the amount of press releases I get. Oh my God. <clears throat> Excuse me. No <laughs> voice. Hey. Like, what is wrong with us today? That's um, <laughs> seriously, it's like first cold day. I'm like, forget about it. Voice gone. But nonetheless, I get tons of press releases from Team Andy about mm-hmm. the job creation. And I have to say, like, it is insane. Like, in such a positive way. Like, it's yeah. like 10 a day, like new plant opening, like 10,000 jobs you know, whatever. Bet on, bet on here, this like, year, as they say. <laughs> like yeah. crazy. And so I think that's really interesting. I'm obviously curious and hopeful for that and, you know, speak for, you know, both of us on that. But I think Mississippi was so interesting because I remember seeing like Presley literally launch his career and watching the video and going, oh my gosh, they're actually running a Democrat. And I think that's another question I have too, is like in some states that are known as traditionally read, whether it's that they're a non-voter state, voter suppressed state, whatever it might be, like actually running a candidate, like what's the decision process behind that? Like, is that involving like chatting with actual potential candidates or is the candidate come to you guys? Like, what does that sort of dynamic look like? Because I'm just always so curious. I'm like always excited when I actually see like a dem run in a spot where traditionally we're like, oh, not, not a shot from, you know, an outside mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. I think it's, that's the exciting thing about working here specifically is, you know, you might have somebody like Brandon say, I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to run for the seat. And I thought, I think I've got a damn good case to make here and I'm going to make it. And so we have a lot of candidates come to us and before they even launch and say, Hey, I'm thinking about it. Want to get your take or just get your sense of how this can go. We can't get involved in, in primaries. We, that's why I keep saying like, once we have a general election candidate, like we're, we're all in, we're setting up the coordinated yeah. campaign. We want to make sure that you've got everything you need the second you're the Democrat in the race. But we are able, we hear a lot from folks who are thinking about running, kind of want to get a sense of, of what it even means to put together a team, a campaign team, what it means to run a race. Like, what does it look like for me to, fundraising what's it mean for me to be getting out there and doing events like what does the path to victory kind of look like like who are all the people that i need to get to to do 50 plus one we're kind of able to give people like the primer on what does it look like what did it look like in the state the last time around and and kind of be like a support as you're like thinking about it and so you know brandon's like somebody who who said i want to do this did it and i think is making a really great case now and we're able to have partnership with with his campaign on any number of things and be a support to them as they're, you know, really making, I think, the strong case and putting it to Tate Reeves for why he should be fired in November. Totally. Yeah. I am just so intrigued to see how both of these races turn out this year. I'm like Kentucky, Mississippi. I am very excited, but we also, like you said, are looking to 2024. It's like going to be a quick turnaround, another huge, huge year. So to just kind of kick us off, like what, What's 2024 looking like for at least DGA and like the candidates you guys are supporting? What are what are the big ones? Yeah, I know I touched on Governor Roy Cooper, who has been a tremendous governor for North Carolina. 
Um, he is unfortunately term limited, but that's going to be a state that's really big for us um, next year, especially with the presidential, I think, as a dynamic also. I think a lot of people yeah. will be kind of looking at North Carolina as a place to get involved in and play. And so I think, you know, we have a primary that's going on there now, but we think that'll be a place um, where we can make the case for why we should continue with with good, strong Democratic leadership that has been, I think, a check on a really extreme Republican legislature. And speaking of extreme Republicans, you got to look to who's in the Republican primary, and it's Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, who I think could eventually be the nominee for their side. And talk about a contrast with somebody who's making extreme comments, offensive comments every other day about women, LGBTQ plus people, Jewish people, you name it, he's probably said something that's terrible and extreme. And so I think there's a real contrast and the stakes are pretty high on what direction North Carolina chooses to go in. And I think we'll be helping to make the case of of why we should stick with Democratic leadership there. I think New Hampshire is also someplace we're paying attention to. Governor Sununu has decided that he is not going to run for another term. I think that makes it a real place where we could see a pickup opportunity for for Democrats, and especially because he's pushed through a really unpopular abortion ban in the Granite State. I think people are paying attention to that, and we're lucky to have a pretty pretty full field of Democrats who I think every day are kind of making the case of why we shouldn't continue in a in a Republican extreme direction. I think that primary is also one where they're going to be looking to see who can out extreme the other one, who can go even more further to the fringe. So those are those are two of the big states that, that we have on on deck for us. But like I said, no off years. And then we're off to Virginia and New Jersey in, in 2025. And we've got 30, 36 or so or 32 and 26. So never stops. No off years here. We just keep rolling. Crazy. No, when the the news came out of New Hampshire that Sununu was like, actually like, you know, putting his his suit away i was a shocked because never thought that guy would walk away from what he was like up to and b was like oh my god this is such a huge opening like this holy moly so I'm well, curious- he said himself he feels like he he needs to go make a real paycheck that being the governor is not a real job i think you know take him at his word he wants to he wants to retire we'd love to retire him and whatever republican ends up being their nominee next year but you were asking me a question i cut you off i just got fired up oh that. <laughs> no by all means which is I like very good reason to get fired up and <laughs> like i'm just so curious and looking at a state like new hampshire which at a on like national races is always a headache for everyone in so many ways and so i'm curious like from a governor's race perspective like how that could be a litmus test for other governors races, you know, next year and then beyond too. Well, you know, I think the interesting thing about DGA is like, no, no state is the same. So what happens in one doesn't necessarily mean something for the other. And we've, I think, had a record of success having candidates who are running races that are specific to the state and the issues that, you know, are really resonating with those those voters. So like to me, litmus test is like not a word I would use, but I think sometimes the issues can be, you know, can carry over. Like a lot of our governors, I think last cycle, it is historic midterm cycle. And I think that's because governors, Democratic governors were focused on talking about what matters to people, you know, making sure that we can cut your taxes. Governor Kelly in Kansas, another person who's in a state, maybe you wouldn't think we'd have a Democratic governor focused on, you know, something as every day as axing the food tax in Kansas. And that really resonated with people. 
so I think every state's a little different and kind of makes variety of the spice of life for us here at DGI. Yeah. What other like electoral, I guess, factors really play into different governor's races? Like I'm really curious too about when there's, you know, a Senate race line at, lining up with the governor's race. Is there a lot of coordination between those campaigns just given it's like both very like statewide elections looking to hit the same voters? Like what's kind of the strategy there? Yeah, like I think North Carolina is a great example of a place that a coordinated campaign will be pretty important to have, right, to make sure that we're using resources in a way that benefit everyone from the governor's race down the ticket. And so, you know, coordinated campaigns are, I think, kind of the bread and butter of, of the work we do. Um, and it's part of the way that we can be helpful to when there's a primary going on, we can kind of be one of the folks who are at the table making sure that the minute you're out of the primary and it's day one of the general election, there's like infrastructure and planning and, you know, coordination that's already been happening. So you can step in and kind of go, okay, great. Like now we're shifting into this place and we're not starting from, from scratch. We're not having to like do day one, like voter contact. Nobody's ever heard from us about how there's a governor's Mm -hmm. race in November. Like nobody's heard from us that there's, you know, voter registration deadlines that are critical like people have been hearing from us on what we know are the top line issues, right? The economy, whatever it is that we're talking about in those states. I think we're able to do that and and really be an asset to to campaigns in that way also. Yeah. Cause I, I'm also so curious just even about like results of things. Like I remember with Wisconsin, like during the midterms, it's like we ended up with, you know, Republicans still in the Senate and then Democratic governor. And it's like so interesting to me because again, it's like statewide, like we could, we've done a ton of, you know, episodes and focuses on gerrymandering and like where Mm -hmm. that, you know, has its impact. But when it's like statewide like that, and it's the same group and the result is different, like I'm so continually perplexed by that. And I'm curious, like what your guys' experience has been with that and sort of seeing and analyzing that data. You know, voters are interesting. They never quite I mean, right, you're talking about like Governor Evers, we're very happy to have him, you know, reelected, but they continue to elect Ron Johnson in the state of Wisconsin. Um, I'm, you know, very hopeful we're we'll elect Tammy Baldwin there. But, you know, I think that's kind of what makes all of this interesting. Like not everybody votes straight ticket. I think that's why we have a lot of candidates who are able to run and win in some of these states you wouldn't expect, like again, to point to to Governor Kelly in Kansas who is really able, I think, because she was speaking in a very, she's speaking to the issues that really matter to people. She was able to break through and continue on and and be the governor. And again, Roy Cooper is another great example of that, right? A Democrat who I think is really defending reproductive rights, voting rights, fighting and being a check on a super extreme legislature and has a lieutenant governor who I just laid out says and does offensive things all the time that's kind of just the makeup of the state and how it's gone and i think you know we're able to kind of on the governor's level at least make a case for why your governor is so important as a backstop against a lot of this extreme stuff they're able to be a veto pen on a lot of the extreme things that we see coming down the pike whether it's people trying to put through bans on reproductive rights, whether they're trying to cut down on voting rights, I think can make any number of cases on why at the end of the day, to me, a governor can be a check on on any other extreme choice that 
or a person that gets elected into the dynamic of, of state government. Totally. Wait, you just brought up something that I had in the back of my head meant to ask earlier for the first moment of Lieutenant Governor chit chat. Okay. So I know that like not all Lieutenant governors are obviously like, you know, it's different in every state, Mm -hmm. like somewhere it's like, okay, like you're kind of running on a ticket together. Others where it's like, it's a Republican. And then there's like a Democrat as like the governor, like, how does that dynamic work? Like, (laughs) do they want to kill each other? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how does that and what, what have you guys seen with that? I mean, I don't know. I think like Governor Cooper is a great example of somebody who's been able to get a lot done, work well with a Republican legislature on the things that he is able to work with them on. And Governor Bashir is the same, right? Has a thankfully has a lieutenant governor who's a Democrat, but the legislature there is Republican and he's been able to make a lot of progress on things like adding healthcare access for folks. They were able to come together on legalizing sports betting for the first time, which I'm sure is one of the many of the 10 press releases that you're getting from Team Bashir on the economy. Yes. You know, I so I think there are areas where where they say, OK, I, I've come into office like I want to get things done for people and I'm going to figure out how I can do that. And a lot of the time, I think Democratic governors are the people who are able to kind of figure out what's possible? Like, how can I get to yes on a lot of this? And to be like indefatigable, you know, on it. And like, again, I'm I'm really shouting out Governor Kelly here a lot, but like right now she's, she's really making the case. She hasn't stopped about why they should expand Medicaid in the state of Kansas, like why it would be beneficial. And like some people would say like, why, why bother? And I think she knows if you, if you get the right amount of people in the room at the right the right time you make the case a number of times she gets one more person over that she didn't get the last time that means healthcare for people who didn't have it the day before and i think that's like so meaningful so as governor shapiro likes to say like democratic governors they get stuff done and i think they're just like tireless about figuring out the angles on how they can do it and so i have no shortage of things to like point to <laughs> luckily yeah. on all the great accomplishments they're able to achieve whether they do have you know a legislature or like dynamics that are not a trifecta or when they do governor tim walls in minnesota i think is a great example of that of somebody who just had the legislature and everything else unlocked and was able to i think do what he calls a minnesota miracle there's kids that are getting school lunch for free now he's able to cut taxes for families in minnesota just making all this meaningful progress for people that wasn't mm-hmm. possible before before that and i think really took the opportunity and and ran with it so but yeah, that's me putting on my like Democratic governors can get it done no matter what sort of deal. <laughs> like they're just tireless I and I think they wanna they wanna fight for for folks. Definitely. Well, to wrap, thank you first of all so much for all of this. Is there anything that we can leave with as far as like how people can get involved? Any like advice for voters, things to look out for in these coming elections? Like Yeah. Well, yeah, I well, if folks want to get involved and we would love more and more people to be paying attention to governor's races, our campaigns, getting involved with them, you can text DEMGOVS to 30201. That's a great way to kind of get on our SMS list, get involved, be supportive of our races and everything else. But like I said, there's no off years. Make sure everybody that's listening, you're registered to vote. Make sure that you make sure a Republican governor didn't like Glenn Youngkin in Virginia's, I think, kind of messing with some of that. 
make sure you're registered, check your registration, get your friends and family registered too, and make sure that you're getting involved in, in as many ways as you can in electing Democratic governors. We need as many people talking about these races as, as possible, because like I said, I think who your governor is matters so much. So thank you guys for having me. It's really great to chat yeah, with you. Thank you.